been a while since we talked. It's been a while. What song is that? All I know is Critical Role always says that. Is it a song? I'm assuming it's a song. (laughs) If they sing it, it's a song. All I know is Critical Role referencing it. I know. I feel like I'm rusty and out of touch. Yeah. Well... It's it's all it's a new year, new year, new you. Oh, is this the first episode since the it's new year? It's our first year? episode of twenty twenty three. Oh, gas shock! Happy New Year, listeners! Happy New Year! Wow. Sorry, we're skipping a week, but we were all we were on. Well, someone was on vacation. <laughs> Not I was still going to work. Technically, vacation. It was a work trip. Okay. okay. That I turned I, into I'm a vacation. I'm just getting this out of the way. I'm just getting this out of the way. Yes, I'm listening. I I appreciate I appreciate that you're 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 allowed to complain about your job. Okay, you're allowed to complain about things about your job. You are not allowed to loudly complain and then go on a trip to Hawaii, in which you scale a volcano. <laughs> I feel like that's not fair. Well, I I am not complaining about that event. Okay. Oh, the event went well? That was great. It was my favorite artist, favorite tour manager. Client was super nice. Hell yeah. And I was in Hawaii. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Well, good for you. I've been <laughs> here. Not uh, bitter at all. Yeah, no, I'm totally not bitter at all. I'm totally not bitter at all whatsoever. <laughs> well, hey, Paul, when you move to California, you'll be that much closer to Hawaii. We can do so many more adventures. Mm-hmm. Including those in Hawaii. Including those in, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, just a, you too can scale a volcano. Just a fucking, our Discord chat all going on a trip to Hawaii. <laughs> it's like those families who go on like big family vacations to uh, like, for like Christmas and stuff. It's like, oh, we're going to Hawaii for Christmas. And it's, ah. it, but it's just us. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what the Australians do? Isn't their Christmas like beach and summer vibes? Uh, yeah, Australian Austra- listeners. Uh, stra- uh, shout out Australists. to you. Yeah, shout out to the Australians. Uh, yeah, uh, anyone who's below the uh, equator, they have their Christmas during the summer, technically. De- December is a summer month for them. Surfing Santa, hell yeah. Surfing Santa. <laughs> Hitting the tides, let's go. Paul, how's your 2023? My 2023, uh, it's been all right. Um, it's very mundane shit. I mean, now that the new year began, I'm officially looking for jobs in LA. Mm-hmm. I still need to make that uh, VO uh, real. I just don't. I keep, mm-hmm. I keep looking at. It, I'm like, how? How do you do this? And then I find a well, tutorial. I'm like, but how? How do you do this? I think it's funny that you're asking that as a like producer and editor. Like, well, I know, I know how, but like formatting wise, like how I, but then again, I suppose if mine is unique, it'll be more memorable that people listen to, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to be, I don't know. I'm too much of a conformist, I guess. I'm like, I want to be like everyone else, <laughs> uh, but goodness. Yes. This, this has been uh, an interesting first week of the new year. I have been just chilling really just i've been here mm-hmm. uh doing the thing i heard you watched star wars with finn yes uh my roommate uh they had not seen uh the end of episode two and they had not seen episode three yet so we watched those i got really emotionally compromised in episode three <laughs> and Sounds we'll like be, a good uh, time. it was a good time and we'll be starting <laughs> the clone wars sometime soon oh hell yeah uh, i'm just slowly escorting them uh, through it all like like you uh i like that You're really i like good just at that. escorting people through my mm-hmm. uh fandoms <laughs> so yes holding uh, people's hands through the lore yeah it's uh so this will be our first episode of the new year it will be a week later than usual uh simply because uh we were unable to schedule uh anything till now but yeah paul it. paul messaged me and was like oh when are we recording our next podcast and i looked at my calendar and was like oh i have a work trip that i didn't account for <laughs> that i extended into vacation and suddenly you know it's the next week yeah uh but so, um, apologies. no worries 
you you can see my volcano pics on my instagram and pretend you were there (laughs) i feel like so long as we still do our patreon stuff uh i think we'll be square uh i don't really have anything else to talk about uh do you yes housekeeping notes Ah. we have at the end of this month uh we guested on not my fantasy podcast with colin and hannah and we talked so long about return of the king um and they just told me it's coming out at the end of this month so look out for that that was very fun i very much enjoyed that i i like half watched the movie over again i wasn't fully paying attention because i was also working Mm -hmm. um but it was still fun to watch that with the knowledge that i have so far just of the characters and of the hobbit i just oh and also with that i found an old tweet of mine (laughs) i put it on our twitter y'all might have already seen it i commented on molly's drawing of gimli holding legless and i was it was in september 2020 and i was like i don't know who these people are but i love them oh yes uh i literally just uh just liked that uh so much growth but i love them and i'm like so much growth (laughs) started from the bottom now we're here and I, mean, I, I, love, I believe Molly's response was, Tori, I need to educate you. And then it's three months later. I was like, I know who they are. Yep. Molly's master plan worked too well, possibly. I mean, it got you on this <laughs> podcast, so I'm not complaining. Uh, um, second note was... Oh, I don't know if we brought it up in a regular podcast. I know we brought it up to our patrons but we're going to be starting mm-hmm. up i think in february because my january is kind of crazy but yeah. a like D kind of campaign with yes oh should we announce who they are yet i think Maybe we not. should i should i think it should be a secret i think it should okay. be a secret who will be joining us for that D. so i will it's be DMing, be exciting and chaotic and it will be a party of tori uh steph or mac their spouse esposo uh and uh our secret guest so secrets be on the lookout for that i believe our first episode of that will be free just to give you guys a hit uh but then it will be going just to give it a hit before you get addicted to the drugs yeah and then it will be going (laughs) immediately into our 15 dollar tier which we will be starting in february uh and yeah that will be that's fun. I've already got things planned. It's gonna be incredible. It's, uh, it's kind of it's kind of more like a futuristic uh, setting, uh, with like technology like and stuff, but still like magic. magic and D- right? It's it's like D and D. Yeah, it's D and D, but like in the year twenty fifty seven or something, mm-hmm. where like the technology mm-hmm. isn't like Star Wars levels, but it's pretty close to what we have, and it's augmented with magic. It's gonna be great. So. I look forward can... to that. Yeah, look forward to that. Uh, is yeah. there anything else? Or... Yeah, just a third note. I learned over the holidays that my brother listens to this podcast. Shout out to my brother. Hell yeah. And and the way I found out was he was like, you need a new mic. So just a thank you to the patrons for funding my next mic. <laughs> is your mic I got one bad? in mind. I, okay, I don't. I don't think so. I know it's not as good as yours, and maybe that's just like the dual in quality is like yeah. stark. But everyone keeps saying you need to get you need to upgrade your mic. So, patrons, I feel like you shout just got you. that mic too. I think you. I know, like right? Only a few months old, and it's solid. We're still getting better and better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I'm editing, maybe maybe my editing's ruining it. I don't know. <laughs> no, don't blame yourself. Maybe I'm just a poor editor. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that's um everything on my list. So let's go ahead and jump back into the Fellowship of the Ring. Three, two, one.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Silly Marillion. I am your host, Paul, back as always to lead my friend through the Barrow Downs of lore, uh, Tori. Sing, here to sing to her. That's what I do on here. <laughs> I sing to her. I am the Tom Bombadil of this group. And, and your uh, Tom Bombadil was quite a hit with the listeners. Look... <laughs> if, if there are your, any your eligible, impression. any single people out there who really like Tom Bombadil, let me know. Who can be your Goldberry? Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> I'm accepting applications for Goldberry. Send them over to sillymerlian at gmail.com. Uh, if, as, so long as you're all right that during sex, every now and again, I go, Hoy now! Hoy <laughs> now! You just lost so many candidates. Or no, maybe gain some. Aren't... I don't know. Those look. I don't care. It's it's about weeding out the ones who are worthy of the bombadil. Oh, the bombadick. <laughs> Tom's bombadick. That's, that's the energy we're going into twenty twenty three. I felt I felt like we haven't oh. been randy enough on this podcast. I oh feel like we God. haven't been uh, we haven't been telling enough crude jokes. Yeah. I feel like we've been too analytical like literally uh, our last chapter last chapter it was me and molly talking about tom bombadil being a psychopomp and other literary bullshit nah nah we're talking about his penis today that's right everyone we had to behave for our guests but now that yeah, our guests that's right gone. molly's gone <laughs> now we're talking about dicks the parents are gone this is silly really the adult is out of the room all right and it's everyone's uh, problem now. <laughs> oh, my writing goodness. down Bombadicks because it's Bombadix. going into yeah. the podcast description. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be like it is now part of the lore. Tom <laughs> Tom's Bombadick. Oh gosh. I what were we talking about? Hey Paul, thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, thanks for being here. We just got past the intro and it already crumbled. <laughs> well, to be fair, we've even we've already even done our uh, uh, housekeeping before the actual intro. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're ready. We're ready. We're rip roaring and ready to go. Twenty twenty three, baby. What did so... we miss last time on Glee? Last time, uh, it was the spooky episode. It was it was our Christmas uh, carol episode where we had spooky ghosts involved. Uh, and... Yeah, that really was a spooky chapter. I feel like it's been so long. It's probably mm-hmm. been two weeks, a week. It's been uh, a long time, I feel like, since well, we recorded this, slash when, chatted. When this releases, it will have been three weeks since uh, that release. It's been a while. Stop doing that. If you don't even know the quote, you don't even hey, know the reference. <laughs> You're referencing know a reference. From. <laughs> uh, all right. We had some spooky, scary skeletons yes. that sent shivers down Frodo's spine. They kidnapped the hobbits and were going to kill them. But Frodo, with his bravery, sang a little song. And Tom Bombadil showed up and kicked the crap out of the <laughs> Barrow White. And then. And by like, kicked the crap, like, did another sing off. And was like shooting. Yeah, well, he did a sing off, but then he just, like there was still like a wriggling hand in there, and he went in oh, and just yeah. stomped on it a bunch, like you would a a cockroach or something. <laughs> Ew! But the hobbits then stripped naked and ran around a bit. Oh yes, they touched some grass. Uh, they got some cool loot from the barrow. Uh, they were given knives of westerness. Mm-hmm. Which are uh, knives of Numenor. So the, dope. Yeah. So they're they're kind of magic, kind of magic. They are magic, <laughs> but I feel like you could best describe Tolkien's magic system as kind of magic. Are are these? In fact, there is a part later on in this book where one of the hobbits asks an elf, "Oh, is this gear you're giving us magic?" And the elf literally goes, "I don't know what the fuck you mean." They're good ropes. Like, they're, like, they're good equipment, yeah. if that's what you're asking. It's like, no, but are they magic? And they're like, no, they're just really good. And it turns out, like, magic it does not seem like magic to other people. What's magic to some is not magic to others. For elves, it, it is technically magic, but the elves just look at it as, oh, we just made this very well, and it's we just, just very well cool made. We just made cool shit. 
Yeah. Better than Hobbit shit. Yeah, basically. Not, not knowing they're like exuding magic at all times. Yeah, not the fact that their souls can be seen when you're wearing the ring. Like, that's that's Ooh. all it is. Is we'll that mentioned that in the book? Yeah, yeah. later on, actually, uh, in a few chapters. That was one of my favorite parts of the Hobbit movie, right? Where Thranduil kind of like shows his little glamour spell, and he oh, looks that's so, not like, it. Creepy. That's not it. Well, I love <laughs> that. Well, I liked it. <laughs> I don't know if they feature that in the movies. I don't think so. I remember it in the Hobbit movies. Ooh, yeah, because it was the it was Thranduil, it was the elf, elf king. No, yeah, but no, that's not that's not what I was referencing. That was that's just a glamour. That's not his soul. So Frodo can see his soul when the ring's on. When the ring's on, yeah. What's it look like? Uh, it's bright and shiny. If you think about how the Nazgul are bright and shiny when you put on the ring, because you're actually seeing what they actually are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's with the elves because not only are their souls so much brighter than humans, like they are a form of themselves in this other world, the world of mm. spirits. Sounds so angelic. That's yeah, dope. It, it plays a it plays a interesting part in the later part of this book. So Sweet. they escape Tom Bombadil, basically kind of push them in the right direction. He's like, Bree is right over there. Go to the Prancing Pony. It's my favorite place. Tell them Tom sent you. And I got to go home and fuck my wife. And Goldberry is waiting. <laughs> Goldberry is waiting. Thank you for giving a whole new meeting to Goldberry is waiting. Now I'm just imagining like he comes home and she's in like green lingerie and she's just on the <laughs> on the bed. She's like, I thought those hobbits would never leave. <laughs> Show me that bombadil. Show me that. I know. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> your bright blue is your jacket and your boots are yellow, but I'd rather see them crumpled up in that corner over there. So where is the Tom and Goldberry porno? Where is it? Where? We have a, where? We have a script for you. I have seen already too much Frodo and Sam smut. I have seen so much Legolas and Gimli smut. Where, I ask, is... I, I probably shouldn't be asking this because I know several of our ask listeners it. who would ask do it. Ask it. Where Speak is it into our, fruition. Where is our Tom Bombadil and Goldberry erotic art? Where is that? It can be tasteful. It doesn't necessarily need to be overtly lewd. It can be just a little tasteful thing. Anyway. Slide it into our DMs. We'll be waiting. Just like Tom Bombadil will be sliding into it. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) And with that. Goodness gracious. At the side of the prancing pony. At the side of the prancing pony. Uh, it is chapter nine. Me I trying to read this Roman numeral. Yes, it is chapter nine. Yes, chapter I X. So, it's not Lord of the Rings till we have a large amount of exposition, and <laughs> Tolkien is like, now you probably need to know the entire fucking history of Bree. So I'm gonna Bree? tell you about what is Bree. 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 Also, like I was like, Bree was the chief village of the Bree Land. It's like no shit. Really? Thank you. Captain Obvious. But do go on. But I do like how it, it is almost kind of like... They have like suburbs of Bree as well. Because there's Bree, there's Staddle, there's Combe, and Archit as well near the Chetwood. And basically they get... Descri- the Bree folk are described basically as close to hobbits as you can possibly get as a human. Mm-hmm. I fact- also appreciated how he did... With he does with every other character is describe their hair color and stature, brown haired, yes. broad, and rather short. The end. And they we... uh they were very they were much more familiar and friendly with hobbits more so than they were with dwarves or elves or other folk. So and hobbits live in the Breland as well. Uh, I believe Staddle is like their primary place of residence. Mm. Uh, most of the Bree hobbits live in Staddle. Honestly, I love the sound of it. Um, where is the... Oh, there's that light. They live mostly in Staddle, though there are some in Bree itself. 
The big folk and the little folk, as they called one another, were on friendly terms, minding their own affairs in their own ways, but both rightly regarding themselves as necessary parts of the brief folk. I think that's yep. so cool. And yeah. with that, I was like, where's the lover's arc? Where is the brie men falling in love with the, the brie hobbit hobbits? Yeah. yeah. Give it to me. Give it to you. It had to have happened at some point. I want a oh, half totally. hobbit, half human kid. Well, technically, hobbits are humans. Half hobbit, half men? Oh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> half big folk? Half big folk, half little folk. A medium folk, if you will. I also love how uh, the real uh, hobbits now kind of like turn up their noses at the Shire hobbits where they're like, we were here first. We've done everything first before the yeah. Shire hobbits have. Uh, they, they, I think they like call them colonists or something because outsiders, they, outsiders. And oh, okay, wait. there was the a, Shire there was a time. Hobbits... Go ahead. Uh, they do mention how there was a time like when Bucklanders or Tooks might go on a quote unquote adventure to Bree, which is literally like the next town over. And that's not what too they, far from home, not too far from home, but just enough. Uh-huh. And there was, uh, I believe there's a phrase then called strange news from Bree, from a memory when news would come from Bree, from the hobbits who took a, an adventure out that way. Adventure. Yeah, this line, the, the Shire hobbits referred to those of Bree and to any others that lived beyond them beyond the borders as outsiders and took very little interest in them considering them dull and uncouth. Is that the word? Uh, yeah. Uncouth. <laughs> Which, how, how, how nice of them. Yeah. Look at these other hobbits. They're so dull and uncouth. They, they don't live in the Shire. I'm on the Bree Hobbit side now. The Shire <laughs> right? hobbits sound like dicks. That was quick. <laughs> I had a big, quick turnaround there. <laughs> Didn't take much talking. Um, before we go too far on that page, I want to circle back to the paragraph that was about the Rangers. Yes, they, uh, they're kind of, there are like three groups, basically, who live in the Breland. You have the Bree folk, who are the humans, and they build up, they're like the majority. You have the little folk, the hobbits, the Bree hobbits who live there. And then you have the minority of the rangers who don't really live in town. I do love this description of the rangers. But in the wild lands beyond Bree, there were mysterious wanderers. The Bree folk called them rangers and knew nothing of their origin. They were taller and darker than the men of Bree and were believed to have strange powers of sight and hearing and to understand the languages of beasts and birds. They roamed at will southwards and eastwards, even as far as the Misty Mountains, but they were now few and rarely seen. When they appeared, they brought news from afar and told strange forgotten tales which were eagerly listened to, but the brief folk did not make friends of them. Quite the mysterious group of men. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, with the line, strange powers of sight and hearing and to understand the languages of beasts and birds, um... Are they part elven? Like, did they come from? So the, line the rangers, of... the rangers are Dunedain. Uh, they are from Numenor. Meaning, uh, I mean, quite a few of them are probably descended from Elros, uh, the first king of Numenor, who was Elrond's brother, and was yeah. a half elf. So the men of Numenor, like. It is a kind of like a blood thing where you have like the blood of elves, but also like the men of Numenor were just built different, I guess, because they were given this absolutely perfect land to live in and thrive in. Mm. And so they grew taller than most men. They had, they all tended to have like dark brown hair and gray eyes. And they, yeah, they're often regarded for their, like, noble stature and being tall and having gray eyes. That's a Numenorian right there. Uh, okay. Or a, they're a Dunedain now uh, because they are the survivors of Numenor. They came over here 
And the Rangers are the descendants of the Kingdom of Arnor, which was like Gondor's brother up here in the north. But that kingdom fell, and there was no king, and now it's... it's I don't know like, why they're wanderers. Yeah, they are wanderers, basically. Uh, they are basically like the old nobility of the kingdom, mm. and they're just kind of hanging around, okay. living in the woods. So there's a little bit of like both nature and nurture like descended from like a kind of elf not elf anymore and also like grew up in this ideal society gifted to them yeah so that and that's what really sets them apart they're just taller (laughs) they live longer too though right or is that just like an aragorn they do live longer uh but not too longer Okay. Like the Bree folk, if the Bree folk live till they're like seventy-five or so, the Rangers, on average, will live till they're like a hundred or more. Okay. Uh, Aragorn does live exceptionally long, but that's because he's exceptionally special. Exceptionally special. I know that's a well, bit redundant, but I said it. <laughs> We're about to meet him here soon. Mm-hmm. So we also get a little peek in at uh, the famous inn at Bree. The inn of Bree was still there, however, and the innkeeper was an important person. His house was a meeting place for the idle, talkative, and inquisitive among the inhabitants, large and small, of the four villages, and a resort of rangers and other wanderers, and for such travelers, mostly dwarves, as still journeyed on the east, east road to and from the mountains." So it's the pit stop. It's the it's the it's the large pit stop on the side of the freeway. It's the it's, uh, the Bucky's for our Texans. Yeah, Bucky's. I think that's the closest yep, the thing, most... really. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to think of another. Like, it also counts as like a hotel and stuff. Like. Mm-hmm. So if Bucky's had an inn. Yeah, if you could, <laughs> if you could sleep at Bucky's. <laughs> Which Bucky's is big enough? I feel like it could. Bucky's should uh, get a prancing pony in. I've never seen a Bucky's. What's a Bucky's? Maybe this is our next uh, entrepreneur venture: a pit stop called the, the Prancing Pony the prancing with an inn. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can quite call it the Prancing Pony without. Uh, some kind of legal trouble with uh, the Tolkien it will estate, be but called the dancing the dancing horsey the dancing horsey the Perfect. dancing horsey come by Perfect. to the dancy horsey where we will have an inn and the cheapest gas and D and D nights. I was going to say once a week, but just every night. <laughs> yeah, and random bursts of song. <laughs> yeah, it's always karaoke night there too. It's always karaoke night. <laughs> so yes, the hot after that was it three pages of exposition? Yeah. Two pages and one part of the third page. Yes. But we finally get to we finally catch up to the hobbits coming up to the Bree Gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the West Gate, they call it, because it faces the West. Uh and they basically knock on the door and the guy's like, Who the fuck are you? And they're like, Can we come in? He's like, Hmm. Your hobbit's from the Shire. And I like the idea of him, like, realizing it based on their accents. Yeah, I wrote that down. Shire accents. I want to know what it sounds like. Yeah. What's more out of the Shire by their talk? I want to know how the Bree hobbits talk. If that's, like, what the main differences are. Yeah. Is it, like, subtle differences, kind of? Like, you hear a New Zealand accent and an Australian accent, and they're mm. fairly close, but, like, like New Zealand is higher-pitched and a bit more nasally. I also feel like the Shire gives more vibes of money. And they like are very... They are fancy. very... Yeah. But, again, the lines up here said they were no more, like, worse off than the Shire Hobbits. They act like it if they're close to outsiders. So I just want to give them a little posh, little bit of an accent to have like gardeners and stuff. It's the human influence. It's the human influence of living next to humans. They adopt human expressions like yeet and 
dab. Slay. Slay. <laughs> That's truly the accent. We figured it out. I hate it. Already. Already <laughs> off the bat. Not a fan. <sighs> but Tia asks them their names, and Frodo's like, uh, no. <laughs> Stranger danger. I'm not telling you who I am. And the gatekeeper's like, well, I gotta know, because I'm the gatekeeper. And Mary just pushes Frodo aside, and it's like, I'm Mr. Brandybuck. Is that enough for you? The brief oak needs <laughs> to be fair spoken to travelers, or so I had heard. And the man's like, all right, okay, but be careful, because there are other people at the inn tonight. You're not the only strangers who are in town. So they head There's in. Queer folk about. Queer actually. folk about. Add another mm-hmm. queer to the queer counter. Hell yeah. Uh, and then this ominous little bit. The man stared after the hobbits for a moment, and then he went back to his house. As soon as his back was turned, a dark figure climbed quickly in over the gate and melted into the shadows of the village street. So as they're coming, as they're walking, uh, riding along, I should say, because they have ponies, uh, Sam who was, like, super excited to go to an inn just a few hours ago, is now realizing that all these houses are big. Humans are big. Yeah. Black riders could be fucking anywhere. And he asked if they could maybe, like, stay with some of the hobbits. And Frodo's yeah. like, what's Cute wrong with the Sam. inn? Tom Bombadil recommended it. I expect it's home-like enough. And they finally arrive at the Prancing Pony by Barlamin Butterbur. <laughs> that name reminds me of uh what is the greatest showman circus dude pt barnum yeah it gives me that vibe yeah it should be a circus and that should be the name of the ringleader by barlam and butterbur because i always imagine this guy when i'm reading it uh i do think of the um the owner of uh the moulin rouge from the film moulin rouge like I haven't that seen guy. It, but oh, I know the premise. Moulin Rouge. All right. Well, never mind. The actor who plays that guy, he has like big rosy cheeks and a mustache, and Ooh. he's boisterous, and that's how I, that's mm-hmm. how I always picture uh, the uh, Barlam and Butterbur. So we finally meet Barlam and Butterbur, and he seems kind of like a scatterbrained individual because our first interaction is Frodo going, can we? And he gets cut off by Barlowin going, half a minute, please. And he vanishes Runs into the off. crowd and comes back. Uh, Good evening, little master. And that's now how I'm going to address all my short friends from now on, <laughs> my friends who are shorter than me. I'll just be like, Good uh, you know what? No, I'm going to reserve that for Mac because I, know I was going to say, really this seems like a Mac that. thing. <laughs> this is really a thing I reserve to annoy Mac with. And, like, they're like, oh, we're hobbits. And Barlam is like, yeah, you're from the Shire, huh? Hobbits. What does that remind me of? And then he's like, what are your names? And Frodo gives all their real names, uh, except for his, which is Underhill. Still a Mr. Underhill. And Mr. Butterbur is like, oh, it's gone. Sorry, can't remember it now. (laughs) Maybe I'll remember it later. Maybe not. He shouts for a hobbit named Nob, who's one of his employees. You woolly-footed slow coach. And he then asks where Bob is. So we got Nob and Bob. And I don't... I They're not related. Uh. So these are two people. It's like if you worked with someone named Snorri or something. Like... <laughs> well, actually... Oh, dear. My boss's name rhymes with Tori. Oh. Mm-hmm. I was going to say it, and then I was like, I don't know yeah, how much info I should give him about my employers. We'll just... We'll let people guess, you know? <laughs> so I, I can I can relate to that. Is yeah. Barlamin a a man? Yeah, he's he's a human. Okay. He's a human. Nob and Bob are both hobbits, I believe. <laughs> and so like Bob apparently is the stable hand in charge of the horses. Nob is his uh Barlamin's second, I guess you could call mm. him his assistant. And Barlaman said, uh, this is such a mood. Well, now, what was I going to say, said Mr. Butterbur, tapping his forehead. One thing drives out another, so to speak. I'm that busy tonight, my head is going round. 
But he arranges for rooms to be prepared for the hobbits and for food to be provided for them. And sure enough, they're led to like a small little like private dining room where they can eat. And I one day we need to have this in this compl- this actual meal that they list. Yeah, out. it sounded so good. Hot soup, cold meats, a blackberry tart, new loaves, slabs of butter, and half a ripe cheese. And it's like ooh. Yeah, that just sounds like idyllic, like further idyllic Hobbit food. Yeah, that could be for our uh, our next uh, Lord of the Rings watch in person. Yeah. Uh. I'm also hungry, so, like, give me all of this right now. And it's raining, so hot soup? Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah, I almost forgot to talk about how fucking Los Angeles is just getting bombarded with water now. It's our winter. We get some rain. Yay. <laughs> Little rain for you. <laughs> yeah, and, again, the landlord just kind of is like, hey, if you want to join, there's a bunch of people gathered in the common room. Uh, you can join the company. If not, just ring this little bell if you need anything, and Nob, Nob, Nob will come, will come help. <laughs> and then Mary decides to continue and sit in, but Pippin will go down with him. Yeah, uh, Mary's like, I'm gonna watch the uh, hotel TV channel. <laughs> I just need to de- decompress from everything that happened today. I also like um, Barlowman's advice. If you want anything, ring the handbell and Nob will come. If you don't come, ring and shout. <laughs> Cute. I love I love the hospitality here at this inn. Yes, Nob is fantastic. Service, I would throw him the, an extra tip. The service is very nice. It is. Yeah, Mary stays inside, but Pippin's like, all right, mind yourself. It's Mary that gives that little tidbit of you. We're doing secret things. Yeah, Mary. Uh, Mary's little interaction here. Mary said it would be too stuffy. I shall sit here quietly by the fire for a bit, and it, uh, and perhaps go out later for a sniff of the air. Mind your P's and Q's, and don't forget you are supposed to be escaping in secret, and are still on the high road, and not very far from the Shire. All right, said Pippin. Mind yourself. Don't get lost, and don't forget that it is safer indoors. So they They're still this... on a mission. There are still creepy black riders that they don't know about, so mm-hmm. don't have too much beer and give away your... Your your secret names. Yeah. Real names. Give out your secret names. Don't give out your real name. And it's a, a big company of people, mostly brief folk, with some dwarves who are on the road, and one or two strange-looking men. The uh, the hobbits immediately almost get like a hey, like a cor- like uh, as soon as the Shire Hobbits entered, there was a chorus of welcome from the Breelanders. <laughs> Sounds like happy hour over here at the Prancing yeah. Pony. And they get introduced by Barlaman Butterbur. And I love how he gives all these different names of the men of Bree and their last names. Here are my, like, uh, such good, like, fantasy last names. Mm-hmm. Rushlight, Goatleaf, Heathertoes, Appledore, Thistlewool, and Fernie. And Butterbur. And the Hobbits also have great names. The Mugwarts. Banks, Brockhouse, Longholes, Sandheaver, and Tunnelly, and many Underhills from Staddle. And I love how the Underhills from Staddle immediately like grab on to Frodo as Mr. Underhill. Uh, there were several Underhills from Staddle, and as they could not imagine sharing a name without being related, they took Frodo to their hearts as a long-lost cousin. Quite the warm welcome when they get here. Yeah. Uh, a little too warm of a welcome because they're very nosy. They're like, what are you doing in Bree? Yeah. And Frodo's like, uh, I'm writing a book. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, here's a bunch of information about Bree. And you can always ask Butterbur for f- further references. He knows more. And then he- they realize he's not writing anything down, so they just kind of leave him alone. <laughs> kind of gives that small town vibes like whenever there's a new person new stranger like new students everyone wants to know everything from outside their town yeah and just become little little gossipers about it little a little group yeah trying to find out everything they can so, so there's nothing else to do in this small town every new person and it sounds like it's a very exciting time because it hadn't been they had said like it hadn't been as many travelers as yeah. before. 
Yet, yeah, there have been a lot of so travelers people. on the roads. Yeah, a lot of people coming from uh, down south, uh, and it's because uh, they Frodo over does overhear some of the talk. Uh, the men and dwarves were mostly talking of distant events and telling news of a kind that was becoming only too familiar. There was trouble away in the south, and it seemed that the men who had come up the Greenway were on the move, looking for lands where they could find some peace. The Bree folk were sympathetic, but plainly not ready to take a large number of strangers into their little land. One of the travelers, a squint-eyed, ill-favored fellow, was foretelling that more and more people would be coming north in the near future. If room isn't found for them, they'll find it for themselves. They have a right to live, same as other folk, he said loudly. The local inhabitants did not look pleased at the <laughs> prospect. Uh, but the, I love how the Bree hobbits don't care, because it's like, well, humans can't live in hobbit holes. It's too small, so... Not my problem. Not my problem. <laughs> and they really like Pippin, because Pippin starts telling a bunch of stories, his favorite being about Will Whitfoot, the mayor of Mickledelving, the fattest hobbit in the West Farthing, had been buried in chalk when the town hole collapsed and came out like a flower dumpling. <laughs> That's such a gorgeous description a flower dumpling also again because i might be hungry <laughs> yeah you're like mm, dumplings yeah <laughs> what do you got what do you have for dinner after this uh maybe chicken max on dinner and i'm on the grocery store run uh, so I'm pitching that problem to them to figure out <laughs> <laughs> uh so basically the brelanders are like really hanging around uh pippin and in fact a few of them who seem to vi like some of them who seem to have visited the shire recently start being a bit more curious of where the underholes lived and who they were related to and i love how it's a callback to of course this hobbit would know who the underhills were related to because hobbits love knowing who they're related to uh, and they love looking at family trees i think yeah. we learn about that in concerning hobbits and then frodo has an unwanted voyeur watching him. <laughs> Suddenly Frodo noticed that a strange-looking, weather-beaten man sitting in the shadows near the wall was also listening intently to the hobbit talk. He had a tall tankard in front of him and was smoking a long-stemmed pipe curiously carved. His legs were stretched out before him, showing high boots of supple leather that fitted him well, but had seen much wear and tear and were now caked with mud. A travel-stained cloak of heavy dark green cloth was drawn close about him, and in spite of the heat of the room, he wore a hood that overshadowed his face. But the gleam of his eyes could be seen as he watched the hobbits. "'Who is that?' Frodo asked when he got a chance to whisper to Mr. Butterbur. "'I don't think you introduced him.' "'Him?' said the landlord in an answering whisper, cocking an eye without turning his head. "'I don't rightly know. He's one of those wandering folk. Rangers, we call them.' He seldom talks, not but he can tell a rare tale when he has the mind. He disappears for a month or a year, and then he pops up again. He was in and out pretty often last spring, and I haven't seen him about lately. What his right name is, I've never heard. But he's known round here as Strider. He goes about at a great pace on his long shanks, though he don't tell nobody what cause he has to hurry. But there's no accounting for East and West, as we say in Bree, meaning the rangers and the shire folk, begging your pardon. Funny you should ask about him. At that moment, Mr. Butterbur was called away by a demand for more ale, and his last remark remained unexplained. Frodo found that Strider was now looking at him, as if he had heard or guessed all that had been said. Presently, with a wave of his hand and a nod, he invited Frodo to come over and sit by him. As Frodo drew near, he threw back his hood, showing a shaggy head of dark hair flecked with gray, and in a pale stern face, a pair of keen gray eyes. I am called Strider, he said in a low voice. I am very pleased to meet you, Master Underhill, if old Butterbur got your name right. He did, said Frodo stiffly. He felt far from comfortable under the stare of those keen eyes. Well, Master Underhill, said Strider. If I were you, I should stop your young friends from talking too much. Drink, fire, and chance meeting are pleasant enough, but, well, this isn't the Shire. There are queer folk about. Though I say it as shouldn't, you may think. He added with a wry smile, seeing Frodo's glance. And there have been stranger travelers through Bree lately. He went on, watching Frodo's face. 
Frodo returned his gaze but said nothing, and Strider made no further sign. His attention seemed suddenly to be fixed on Pippin. To his alarm, Frodo became aware that the ridiculous young Took, encouraged by his success with the fat mare of Mickle Delving, was now actually giving a comic account of Bilbo's farewell party. He was already giving an imitation of the speech and was drawing near to the astonishing disappearance. Frodo was annoyed. It was a harmless enough tale for most of the local hobbits, no doubt. Just a funny story about those funny people away beyond the river. But some, Old Butterbur for instance, knew a thing or two and had probably heard rumors long ago about Bilbo's vanishing. It would bring the name of Baggins to their mind, especially if there had been inquiries in Bree after that name. Frodo fidgeted, wondering what to do. Pippin was evidently much enjoying the attention he was getting and had become quite forgetful of their danger. Frodo had a sudden fear that in his present mood he might even mention the ring, and that might well be disastrous. You had better do something, quick, whispered Strider in his ear. Frodo jumped up and stood on a table and began to talk. The attention of Pippin's audience was disturbed. Some of the hobbits looked at Frodo and laughed and clapped, thinking that Mr. Underhill had taken as much ale as was good for him. Frodo suddenly felt very foolish and found himself, as was his habit when making a speech, fingering the thing in his pocket. He felt the ring on his chain, and quite unaccountably the desire came over him to slip it on and vanish out of the silly situation. It seemed to him, somehow, as if the suggestion came to him from outside, from someone or something in the room. He resisted the temptation firmly and clasped the ring in his hand, as if to keep a hold on it and prevent it from escaping or doing any mischief. At any rate, it gave him no inspiration. He spoke a few suitable words, as they would have said in the Shire. We are all very much gratified by the kindness of your reception, and I venture to hope that my brief visit will help to renew the old ties of friendship between the Shire and Bree. And then he hesitated and coughed. <coughs> Everyone in the room was now looking at him. A song! shouted one of the hobbits. A song! A song! shouted all the others. Come on now, master! Sing us something we haven't heard before! For a moment Frodo stood gaping. Then in desperation he began a ridiculous song that Bilbo had been rather fond of, and indeed rather proud of, for he had made up the words himself. It was about an inn, and that is probably why it came into Frodo's mind just then. Here it is in full. Only a few words of it are now, as a rule, remembered. There is an inn, a merry old inn, beneath an old grey hill, and there they brew a beer so brown that the man in the moon himself came down one night to drink his fill. The ostler has a tipsy cat that plays a five-string fiddle, and up and down he runs his bow, now squeaking high, now purring low, now sawing in the middle. The landlord keeps a little dog that's mighty fond of jokes. When there's good cheer among the guests, he cocks an ear at all the jests and laughs until he chokes. They also keep a horned cow as proud as any queen. But music turns her head like ale and makes her wave her tufted tail and dance upon the green. And oh, the rows of silver dishes and the store of silver spoons. For Sunday there's a special pair, and these they polish up with care on Saturday afternoons. The man in the moon was drinking deep. And the cat began to wail. A dish and spoon on the table danced, and the cow in the garden, the cow in the garden, madly pranced, and the little dog chased his tail. The man in the moon took another mug, and then rolled beneath his chair, and there he dozed and dreamed of ale. Till in the sky the stars were pale, and dawn was in the air. Then the ostler said to his tipsy cat, the white horses of the moon, They neigh and champ their silver bits, but their master's been and drowned his wits, and the sun'll be rising soon. So the cat on his fill played hey diddle diddle, a drig that would wake the dead. He squeaked and sawed and quickened the tune, while the landlord shook the man in the moon. It's after three, he said. They rolled the man slowly up the hill and bundled him into the moon, while his horses galloped up and rear, and the cow came capering like a deer, and the dish ran up with the spoon. No quicker the fiddle went deedle-dum-diddle, the dog began to roar. The cow and the horses stood on their heads, the guests all bounded from their beds and danced upon the floor. 
With a ping and a pong, the fiddle strings bo broke, the cow jumped over the moon, the little dog laughed to see such fun, and the Saturday dish went off at a run with the silver Sunday spoon. The round moon rolled behind the hill as the sun raised up her head. She hardly believed her fiery eyes, for though it was day, to her surprise, they all went back to bed. Yeah, woo, yeah, woo. where's old Barley? He ought to hear this. Bob ought to learn his cat the fiddle, and then we'd have a dance. Let's have it again, master. Come on, now once more. And then Frodo yeah. fucks up. <laughs> <laughs> he royally fucks up. He royally fucks up. So, I love that little quick interaction because first off our first introduction to strider later known as yeah. aragorn yeah i love the strider voice by the way thank you i was, was wondering if i was gonna go with my cowboy strider but i went nah, i know i was I'm waiting for this it one instead <laughs> so that entire thing is a very fun scene you have the mystery, the mystery of who is this person watching Frodo? Can he be trusted? What's mm -hmm. his attitude like? Butterbur says he's a ranger, but he doesn't know that much about him. And we got another like we keep getting cock. Uh, Butterbur keeps getting like cock blocked in the form of memory because every time he's about <laughs> to like be like, oh, now I remember. Someone calls for him and Something he needs else. to go and More see that and he forgets it. Yeah. <laughs> also. Connection to the Silmarillion. This song is connected to the Silmarillion in that they identify the moon as a he and the sun as a she. Yeah. I put a little exclamation mark by that asterisk. Yeah. Elves and hobbits always refer to the sun as she. Because that is uh, Aryan, the Maiar of the sun. Cute. Cute. So Frodo has now been drinking and he's actually quite proud of the song himself so he does a rendition uh and he's now even doing little dance moves to go with it he's standing <laughs> on a table and when he says the cow jumped over the moon he's trying to emulate the cow jumping over the moon he trips and falls and i love and this description disappears he uh much too vigorously for he came down bang into a tray full of mugs and slipped and rolled off the table with a crash clatter and bump the audience all opened their mouths wide for laughter and stopped short in gaping silence for the singer disappeared he simply vanished as if he had gone slap through the floor without leaving a hole and immediately everyone's like oh we don't like that we don't like magic <laughs> And they start. They like leave Pippin and Sam alone. Uh, the description was: uh, it was plain that many people regarded them now as the companions of a traveling musician, mu uh, magician of unknown powers and purpose. Uh, but there's one Brelander who notices this and immediately heads for the door, and it's like, ooh, don't like that. No, none of that. None so, of this Frodo. Dark magic is super embarrassed so he just kind of crawls back to where strider is to take off the ring and i love this little interaction they have well said strider when he reappeared what did, why did you do that worse than anything your friends could have said you have put your foot in it or should i say your finger i don't know what you mean said frodo annoyed and alarmed oh yes you do but we had better wait until the uproar has died down then if you please mr baggins i should like baggins. a quiet word about you what about a matter of some importance to us both. You may hear something to your advantage. And Frodo's like, okay, I'll talk to you later. I also hate that. Like, we need to talk. It's very important. But I'm not going to tell you what it is, and you're just going to have to fill with anxiety until then. Yeah, you're just going to have to trust me, you know? This is not good supervisor management. Like, Strider, <laughs> more communication here, please. Frodo, this could have been an email. <laughs> it could have been an email. <laughs> tell the poor lad. And then I mm. love this little interaction. I saw him, Mr. Butterbur, said a hobbit, or leastways I didn't see him, if you take my meaning. He just vanished into thin air, in a manner of speaking. You don't say, Mr. Mugwort, said the landlord, looking puzzled. Yes, I do, and I mean what I say, what's more. 
There's some mistake. There's some mistake somewhere, said Butterbur, shaking his head. There was too much of that Mr. Underhold, Underhill to go vanishing into thin air or into thick air, as is more likely in this room. Wow. Wow, Butterbur, okay. <laughs> I, I love the description of saying there was too much of someone to just vanish. <laughs> Um, uh, so now we know Frodo has cake. Yeah. <laughs> Frodo's got the booty. He's got the Baggins booty. Dude, he, he inherited got the booty. He inherited he the do. Baggins booty. <laughs> um, And Frodo's just like, oh, I better kind of move in. He's like, I haven't vanished. I'm just over here talking with Strider. And that made, everyone's like, oh, that's even worse. He, now he's talking with this mysterious ranger. And they just leave with a huff. And <laughs> Mr. Butterbur, now what have you been doing, Mr. Underhill? Frightening my customers and breaking up my crocs with your acrobatics? Uh, too um, much ale, Frodo, too much ale. Yeah, I, I, it was quite unintentional, I assure you. A most unfortunate accident. All right, Mr. Underhill, but if you're going to do any more tumbling or conjuring or whatever that was, you best warn folk beforehand and warn me. We're a bit suspicious around here of anything out of the way uncanny, if you understand me, and we don't take to it all of a sudden. And Frodo's like, okay, I think I'm going to go to bed. And he's like, and <laughs> again, Butterbur's like, okay, I'd also like a word with you. Which, just tell him. Just tell him right now. Well, like, he is. He is. But they're going into, like, they're literally going to, like, Frodo's private room. Like, oh, okay. he's escorting him back to his room. I thought it was going to be, like, days later. Like, before you leave the inn. And I love this final sentence of the book of the chapter. He uh, were these people all in league against him? He began to suspect even old Butterbur's fat face of concealing dark designs. That's on anxiety. <laughs> anxiety. Social anxiety specifically. High anxiety. Nice. So uh That's that chapter. I've met Strider now. Yes, you've met Strider. You've met Barlam, Barlam and Butterbur, one of my favorite characters. Oh yes, he was delightful. Just chilling, just being a good old guy. I did uh, kind of pretend reading this that Strider was a lesbian, and it did. Well, why? Like, why would you think that? You know, you know, you know the lesbian Aragorn stands. They oh, they've I've... got something, Gosh, something someone, with it. Someone made a lesbian Aragorn version of Lord of the Rings and supplied it as a PDF. No, but if they did, I I think they'd be my hero. Huh. Well, I guess yeah. maybe we should see if there is one and post the link in the uh, episode description. Ooh, not a bad idea. I'll do some research before this comes out. Excellent. <laughs> Anyway, after reading that and imagining Strider as a lesbian, I was like, oh, yes, I think I would have been an Aragorn girl. Well, you definitely would have been with the description of... Uh, if Now I'm, I'm re replacing the pronouns. Oh, please. She, she had a tall tankard in front of her and was smoking a long-stemmed pipe curiously carved. Her legs were stretched out before her, showing high boots of supple leather that fitted her well, but had seen much wear and were now caked in mud. A travel-stained cloak of heavy dark green cloth was drawn close about her, and in spite of the heat of the room, she wore a hood that overshadowed her face, but the gleam of her eyes could be seen as she watched the hobbits. Hot shit. And then a closer description. As Frodo drew near, she threw back her hood, showing a shaggy head of dark, gray, of dark hair flecked with gray, and in a pale, stern face, a keen of pear, pale gray, uh, gray eyes. A pair of gray... Yeah. Eyes are too beautiful. And in a Can't pale, spit it out. stern face, a pair of keen gray eyes. Hot shit. Hot shit. Hot older, shit. Older lesbian shit. Because technically she'd be 88. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would get, spoiler alert, my uh, human and elf romance. You from you by, love your human and elf lesbians. romances. I yeah. Do. We I already just, got love... the gay romance with Turin and Beleg. Now we get lesbian Aragorn and Arwen. Yes. Mwah. Mwah. Uh, queer count update. We are at 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 33. 33 queers 33. in 
Fellowship of the Ring so far. Hell yeah. Oh, we need to take bets on like what what when it's like counting the jelly beans and the like guessing the jelly beans in the jar. It's like how many queers do you think we're gonna come out of this book mm. with? Hmm. I'm saying fifty. Uh, yeah, fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. Okay, we're at thirty-three, and we're nearly halfway. Whoever whoever's guess is closest, uh, the loser has to get like buy them a steak dinner or something. Are we doing like prices right rules where you can't go over? Uh, I think it's just whoever's just closest. closest. Yeah. I'm going to go... What did you say? I said 58. Right I'm going to go yep. 69. 69. Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. I wrote it down. We got a steak dinner on the line, guys. <laughs> hell yeah. A a reason... I'll, I'll, I'll actually add an addendum. A reasonably priced steak dinner. Like... <laughs> We're going to a basic bitch like steakhouse in LA. We're not going to one of those fancy. I'll pants go to like steakhouses. the Cheesecake Factory. Oh hell yeah! We still gotta do that. Done. Uh, yeah. Or what was it? Cracker Barrel. Oh what? Why would we go to fucking Cracker Barrel? <laughs> Isn't that what started us on the path of talking about Cheesecake Factory? Was that Maybe? dude who like went to all the Cracker Barrels in the U.S.? Oh no! It was the guy who went to all the Rainforest Cafes. Oh yes, that's right. That's right. But there's also a guy who has gone to every Cracker Barrel in the U.S. <laughs> too. Do you have Cracker Barrel in California? I feel like it's hey, such a Midwest and maybe Great Plains not. thing. I've definitely seen a couple, but it might have been in Arizona, and Nevada. Googling it right. One now. of these three states okay. has a Cracker Barrel. All right. Yeah. I'm looking at, there are Cracker Barrels. The nearest Cracker Barrel to you would be over by Oxnard. <laughs> Where is that? Uh, it's out beyond Thousand Oaks. Oh, okay. Okay. It's like far, but not Yeah. Well, it's terribly. either that or go to San Bernardino. Okay. That checks out. And that's so, it. L.A. proper it's... says no to the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> We're too distinguished for a Cracker Barrel. Too distinguished. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yes. and what's that? Thank you, everyone, for listening. Welcome to the new year, twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three. Do you have Do you have any resolutions this year, Tori? Uh, yes, actually, I wanted to take a dance class, and I signed up for one every Thursday. Hey! I'm going to do salsa and bachata. Hell, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and my... that and a gaming PC. Oh, Which is yeah. on its well, way. We are... Oh, it's already on its way? Well, it's... I got a bonus. Shout out to my boss. And yeah. so that's... Like, all I needed was money <laughs> to yeah. get a PC. So I have the money. I have the funds. Um... And I have someone in mind I know who can build it, so I just need to like you know message him and be like, Is that "Hey, Ryan." No, Ryan oh, could okay. help with it though. Um, I had another friend who like consistently builds PCs, so he like I buys see. stuff in stock and you know gets like he he d- he has a little good. business about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We all have that one friend who does that. <laughs> so yeah, how about you? Uh, Any resolutions? Yeah, move to fucking L.A. That's mm, my good resolution. Good one, good one. By yeah. the end of the year, I will be what I will be a California girl. <laughs> I will be undeniable. undeniable. Daisy Dukes bikinis, bikinis on, top. on top. I will have sun-kissed skin so hot it will melt It'll your melt popsicle. Your bombadick popsicle. <laughs> melt your bombadick. Oh, oh. I'm gonna Ayo. destroy your bombadick. That's gonna be one of our stretch goals for our next charity stream. It's gonna be you and Daisy Dukes. Destroying Bombadick? No, not that. I mean, mean, are we starting to silly Merlin OnlyFans already? Hey, if you want to fund the move, that'll pay your rent. Oh, God. No, it will not. (laughs) You got to be sexy for that. Anyway, so thank you, everyone. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that we ended it the same way we started it. With Bombadick. So it begins and so it ends with B- B- Bombadil's penis. Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks, as always, to Evelyn for drawing yeah, our wonderful cover art. And, of course, a special thanks, as always, to my friend Jack Hook yeah, for Jack. composing the excellent intro and outro music. Special thanks, as always, to our Patreons. If you would oh, like to go over and support us, uh, we have all sorts of levels, and we'll be adding the 15th one come February. No, not the 15th one. We don't have 15 levels. Uh, the, fif- the $15 dollars. $15. Tier. Yeah. Not the, God, 15 I don't know what we would Goodness. do with 15 levels. That's, we barely had enough stretch goals for our fucking fundraiser, let alone a fucking <laughs> monthly one. So, yes, uh, go over there, patreon.com slash thesillymerillion. Yes. You can also find us on Twitter at sillymerillions. And... Tumblr and Instagram. If you just look up the Silly Marillion on Google, you'll probably find just a bunch of. We're it. out there. We're somewhere. We're out there. Uh, go support us if you so desire, and we will see you guys next time when things get a little more serious. It's not all dancing and bombadicks. It it's a little. It's danger and bombadicks as well. <laughs> There'll be a bump.